whenever I have to go on stage and give a speech, uh, one thing that consults me a lot, that is, well, even if I say something so stupid and bad, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be executed. So I should not be afraid. <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you. Because growing up in North Korea, uh, first thing my mother told me was the most dangerous thing that I had in my body was my tongue. What I said, if I said something that was like bad in the eyes of the regime, that wasn't just only going to kill me, it was going to kill the three generations of my family from both of my mother and father's side. So of course, I appreciate freedom of speech. And the reason why I'm standing here today is also I see this deterioration in America where it, I, at least I used to think America as a nation of mercy. You know, there's a mercy in each other. We trust each other. And I see every day more and more this country becoming like North Korea. We, we, we punish people for being wrong. We punish people for their ancestor crimes. So today in this speech, I'm going to give you a bit of my story and also why I think that we do not have a lot of time left in our country to fight for our freedom. So I was born in North Korea, and how many of you actually have heard my story or read my book? Oh, so quite some of you, thank you. I was born in 1993, and that was just few years after Soviet Union collapsed. And North Korean regime was heavily, heavily relying on the support from Soviet Union, and they could not get any aid. So in the 90s, the regime came up with this ideology where uh, self-reliance, and because North Korea is a socialized, socialized, I mean, socialist paradise, right? The regime was going to take care of everything, free education, free healthcare, there's no private property, everything is free, and we are all equal. However, as soon as they ran out of money from other people, they decide that you have to be on your own. And they're also not allowing people to trade. So trading is illegal in North Korea. So for instance, do you know that in North Korea we don't know what the words for love? There's no vocabulary for love. Because Kim Jong-un was so paranoid that if we love our partners or our parents or our children, we are not going to love him as much. So the only love that we are allowed to learn in North Korea is love for the dear leader. There's no word for human rights or freedom, and there's no word for profit. And now, of course, I came to America living in this, you know, Manhattan, New York, and seeing how much the country is now obsessed with the controlling language, exactly like North Korea. They're obsessed, you say the wrong thing. And now, do you know even the word like landlord is being punished? It's like North Korea, the worst thing you can be is a landlord. And I was born in a country that was considered to be a middle, middle uh, family status. So even though we are like South Koreans, we have the same culture, we have the uh, same I mean, tradition, same language, uh, the regime, as soon as they took over and promised us the equity, the equality of outcomes, they divided us into 51 different classes. 
So when I was born in the middle class, I mean, maybe middle bottom, I asked my parents why do we not have a good standing in the regime, and she told me that apparently my great-grandfather owned a tiny bit of land in his garden. Therefore, he was a landowner. And therefore, also, my blood was tainted. I had to be punished for my great-grandfather's uh, crime. And this translates to my life in America right now. I have a five-year-old son, and he's half white, half North Korean. And now, in this society, he needs to be guilty for his ancestors' crime, because somehow, apparently, hundreds of years ago, there were people owning slaves. And now, he needs to be guilty for that. And this is going to white privilege, same exact same method that regime uses in North Korea to divide people and control people. By the time when I was 13 years old, uh, I couldn't find any more food. And as you can see me now, I'm very petty even though my high heel. Uh, on average, North Koreans are five inches shorter than South Koreans because of the malnutrition. Seeing dead bodies every day, going to school, going anywhere, was my daily life. And one day, I had a I had saw something that was different. I was in the border town of North Korea, and at night, I saw the lights coming from China. So here's the thing, North Korea is the darkest place on Earth. We have Earth Day every day. You do not have electricity. <laughs> so when there's a light, you can see obviously where the lights are coming from. And at the age of 13 in 2007, I thought, if I go where the lights were, I could find something to eat. And uh, my sister, who was 16 years old, she escaped first to China. And I wanted to go with her, but I couldn't go because I suddenly had a really bad stomach ache. My mother took me to hospital, and here you go. It's a free healthcare, right? In the hospital, they don't even have x-ray machines. They don't have any anesthesia or painkiller. Doctor just rubbed my belly. And he said, oh, you might have some like, appendix, you know, and it's, like, we need to do surgery on you. That afternoon, they ripped my belly open without any painkiller. And they realized it wasn't any appendix. It was just I was malnourished and had an infection. They still removed my appendix anyway, so I'm going to sue them when I go back. <laughs> so they stitched me back up. I said, this is a scene that I still cannot forget because maybe this is a, one of the last few things I remember from my homeland. There was a, from the hospital to the bathroom, there were piles of dead bodies. And as I said, there's like, I've seen that many times. I wasn't surprised. But this is like, after all, hospital. And then neighborhood children come and uh, trying to find the rats that were eating human bodies. And rats eating human eyes first. Somehow that's the most soft parts of human tissue. You see these women and men hollowed, open their mouth. Their eyes are gone. And children don't feel anything. They need to survive. So they catch the rats and they are smiling. And those children die because these rats have a disease carrying with them. And then when children die, 
let's rest us back. So this cycle continues. And that's when I realized, no matter what, I had to get out of this country. A few days later, we found a lady who wanted to help us to go to China. We didn't ask why she wanted to help me. We were just so desperate. We did not want to be like those people laying there, eaten by rats. Uh, the price of us crossing that border safely to China was being sold as sex slaves. So right now, at this very moment, when so many people in America denouncing how slave, slavery is so bad, there are 300,000 North Korean youngers just like me are being sold daily. And there are 50 million people around the globe are modern-day slaves right now at this very moment. As soon as I arrived in China, the first thing I see was my mom being raped. And the broker told me, because of the one-child policy in China, they killed all the girls and aborted the girls. There's a lack of women. There are more than 33 million Chinese men cannot find wives. So they told us that we need to be sold as wives or sex slaves. And you would think this is the worst thing can happen to 13-year-old being sold as a sex slaves. But no, there are four places that North Korean women end up in China. One is organ harvesting. They just take you to the basement, take your organs, and discard you like an animal. Second place they take you right now in China for North Korean women is one village of men by one girl and rape her until she dies. Or they put them in a brothers and give them drugs and rape them. Usually these girls do not last more than three to six months and get killed. The last place, if you're lucky, you do find a fake husband who's gonna rape you, but you don't get gang raped every day. My mom and myself ended up in that place. We were about one person, and in the 21st century, my mother was sold for $65, and I was sold for over $200 because I was a virgin and I was a child. Two years living like that, not knowing that I was oppressed, not knowing what freedom was. I met an, another North Korean defector woman told me there was a way to out from China and be free. And I didn't even know what the word freedom was at the moment. And she told me there were missionaries from South Korea rescuing North Koreans to, to South Korea. So I contacted the missionaries and they told him for the first time what God was, what Jesus Christ was, and they told me there was a way out of China. That was literally walking across the frozen Gobi Desert from China to Mongolia. If I successfully cross 16 wire fences and not get caught and not get shot and not eaten by the animals, I will be free. So, I did exactly that when I was 15 years old in 2009 with the eight people in our team, other North Korean defectors, with one compass on our hand, we, we crossed the frozen Gobi Desert. 
A few months in Mongolia, I was sent to South Korea. So now standing here, it's very, very surreal to me. I remember I, came to, I moved to America in 2016, but prior to that visit, I came a few times to give speeches. And room just exactly like this, it was like Charleston in South Carolina. I was stood there in the room and telling my story, I just couldn't believe that everybody looked just exactly the same. <laughs> I cannot tell anybody apart from each other, so don't get offended if I don't remember you. <laughs> it's very hard. And I just couldn't believe, like, there's a country that is America, and this country's problem is having too much food. And at some point, it's like, not having a problem is a problem. It seems like it, like they just keep creating problems by themselves. I was lucky enough to go to uh, Columbia University in New York. I was doing my undergrad degree there, and I just couldn't believe it because at some point, the brainwashing, the hate against the Western civilization and America is worse than what the regime taught me in North Korea. And there was a Babylon article how Kim Jong-un came to like, Colombia and learned how to brainwash his own people about America. It is like Western, I mean, this Columbia University, the professor, they perfected it. The exact same brainwashing that how every problem, everything that is bad in our world is because of white men, because of the West. I really hope that I live in New York right now, and I really did everything I could to escape for safety and freedom. I live in Midtown, New York right now. Every corner, I see drugs, drug dealers, and people get raped and get, get stabbed, get killed every corner. I get harassed every day I go on the street. I don't know why. What happened to America? Seriously, guys, you know better. <laughs> but all I know is, if we do not stop what's happening, we can is easily, easily end up like North Korea. The reason why I'm standing here and talking about tyranny and freedom is not because of what freedom is. I don't even know clearly what that means. But when I escaped to South Korea and they told me that how I was brainwashed and how Kim Jong-un was a dictator and he was fat. And <laughs> I did not even know that. I thought he was starving like us. And he poops too, he goes to the bathroom, <laughs> right? He's not a god. And, and then one day I read this book. It's uh, by George Orwell, Animal Farm. R reading that book helped me to understand what happened to me. But what I paid attention to was really the last end of the book. Do you see the end after the order revolution happens and when the new animals come, they don't even know the life before that oppression. They don't even know that they are oppressed. So whenever I hear in America when they say like they're oppressed, I'm like, you don't know what oppression really is. But what scares me the most is remembering my own father. He died in China in 2008 without knowing 
Life can be this beautiful. Life with dignity. The world like this, with the electricity, with the internet, can, can exist. All he knew in this life was darkness and terror. And maybe our generation, that we know what oppression is, what justice is. I'm just scared. Someday, we are going to even lose that knowledge. And then we will forever lose a chance to fight back and be free. So I hope this helped you understand uh, why I'm here and I, why I'm asking you to join me. So, because I don't know, whenever I try to talk about my people and how the modern slavery and North Korean people are oppressed in China, I get censored. And I don't know where to start, but if our ancestors overcame so much and gave us this amazing country, I'm sure we can do the same. So thank you so much for today. Thank you, everyone.